All right, welcome to episode number two of Behind the Mic. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you, Mike Antonellis. I hope you had a great holiday, and I first want to thank everybody for their terrific support for the first episode. I I think it went well. I'm still new in this podcast world. I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but I still want to do this the way that I want to do it, and just getting a lot of feedback, and and as we progress through it, I think we're going to kind of find the niche. You know, uh, I want to have a lot of interviews. I do want to talk about some things that I've encountered and, and talk about different things. As I've mentioned, I still want to go outside of sports and, and talk about some of those things that we uh, think about and talk about every day. But, you know, for now, I want to keep it sports, baseball, and interest. And one thing that I've always tried to pride myself as a broadcaster, that it's not about me, even though this podcast has my name on it. It's still about my audience. So I want my audience to enjoy the content. So if I'm not doing my job, you have to let me know because we want it to be about you, the listener. You can follow me on Facebook, Behind the Mic 73 on Facebook, but just search. You guys know how to find it. And then you can find me on Twitter, Behind the underscore Mike, and that's the same for Instagram as well. And comments, feedback, you can find us, of course, the podcast on iTunes. You got to hit that subscribe button. You got to hit the high ratings. You got to give this a five. You got to leave some comments. But on the Facebook, you can send me a message through there. So if you have anything that you want me to talk about, give me a top five list, anything, and we'll get it for you here on the podcast. I think you'll enjoy this week's episode of Mark Priceman, my broadcast partner since 2015. He'll join me in just a few minutes, and it's going to be a terrific interview with Mark. I know you're going to like it, and uh, just all the in and outs. Uh, Mark used to be Mark Perlman Price. He will discuss that, but I think one of the best stories we'll have for you is uh, Mark and I are a big fan of this deli place in Portland, and we'll tell you how we discovered that place. It's a great story. I hope everyone had a great holiday, and what I find with the holidays, it's kind of like a time machine. I have two nieces, and watching them opening gifts just immediately brought me to my childhood, and I remember being a kid and my parents telling me that they find a lot of joy out of watching my sister and I open gifts. And I never understood that. I thought they were crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Getting a gift is way better. And then when you're older, in your 40s, and you see other people opening gifts and you see the joy in their face and the excitement, you understand it. It takes, obviously, that person to, to care and have that feeling. But I think we all do when we see somebody younger, especially kids, uh, six, seven. 10 years old, but even older people opening gifts and, and getting something they love. But I feel like the holidays can be a time machine. You connect with old friends, you see old friends, and it's really nice having time off this time of year and just enjoying uh, the holiday season. I hope everybody had a great, safe holiday. Whatever you celebrate, we hope it was terrific for you and coming up to a great New Year's. And we will have a new edition, Episode 3. that will be happening next Friday. So, again, subscribe. You can find this podcast on any platform. We're now everywhere in the podcast world, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me, of course, on Twitter, my Radio at gmail.com is my uh, email, but Radio, of course, on Twitter. All right, so uh, a couple days ago, I had a chance to sit down with a guy that sits to my right all season for Sea Dogs Baseball, Mark Priceman. All right, Mark, what do you think about, uh, you know, you're being the first guest on this show, well, podcast, I should say, so the ratings are just going to grow and grow, so I really appreciate it. 
they're gonna get the Priceman bump. But seriously, I'm honored. I'm flattered. Uh, you're a good friend of mine, and you're always fun to talk to. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I really am excited in the world I think we live in for what we do because these kind of venues really weren't available when I was younger. And I, I think it started with blogging. And now I, I really think it's good that anybody can do a podcast or anyone can do a blog. I, I think it's just good for everyone. It really is. Um, and I have been listening to podcasts uh, for almost a decade now and uh, pretty much exclusively listen to them uh, in the car. Uh, at home, doing laundry, dishes, you know, you can, it's so easy with phones to have access to them at any time. And you can really go deep in terms of some, some niche stuff out there. Just the amount of podcasts that are out there. I'm always curious, you know, what's the most obscure one that yeah. I can find. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Some of the ones you can encounter. You think down the road, it could be part of mainstream radio, a, a full station, just a podcast. You know, with satellite radio, it's like what, you know, the difference isn't really that vast. So mm. I'm not sure, you, you know, you know satellite radio better than I do. I don't know how much of the talk radio you find on there is, is live. So I don't see any reason why you couldn't take something that's a podcast and, and put it on radio. A lot of the podcasts I listen to, for example, come from like NPR, which are basically shows that air live. And then, you know, they just put them on as podcasts after the fact. How was your holidays? It was very good. Um, it was my daughter's first Christmas, and she got to uh, see a bunch of family, and uh, it was a lot of fun. How was yours? It was great, spending time with uh, my nieces, my family, but, uh, you know, the whole thing about seeing people open gifts, when you're younger, you didn't think you could enjoy that, but as you get older, I, I find it uh, very gratifying to, to find youngsters opening gifts. It is, yeah, and and my daughter is, is so young that she doesn't really know what she's doing yet, but we would put, like, a, you know, do a little bit of a rip of the wrapping paper, and, and she could grab onto it, and then we'd kind of pull the present away, and it was like she was opening it on her own. <laughs> Give it time, Mark. Uh, before you know it, she'll be opening tons of gifts. Exactly. See, you're, you're definitely a true broadcaster, because I have a little sheet here, right? I have our intro holidays slash dad, and you and you answer that in that first question. See, so <laughs> you kind of already knew what I was going to ask you. Like, what you know, I, I can imagine how cool it is being a dad. Oh, I learned from the best. Yeah, you're, you're dad. <laughs> <laughs> how has that been? Oh boy, it's been uh, it's been an adventure, and I have uh, it's it's something that's tough to describe uh, mm. how it how it changes your life and. Um, a lot of it, just in terms of kind of the, the nuts and bolts day-to-day stuff, has been, uh, I would say, easier than I've expected. And I've been lucky that uh, our daughter has been really easy to, to deal with, and she doesn't fuss a lot, and she is in a good mood all the time, it seems like. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, and stuff like changing diapers that I thought was going to be, <laughs> that I thought was really going to gross me out, and, and, and I wouldn't want to do, that really hasn't been hard at all yeah um and uh she is just uh, a lot of fun to be around it really uh changes your your perspective on things and uh the order of things the way you prioritize things in your mind it kind of simplifies things in a lot of ways that feels nice you also have that card where if you don't want to do anything you just say i have the daughter tonight or exactly. you, you know you always have that card 
I feel like I was at uh, the right age where I didn't really have uh, a huge desire to be going out every weekend and, yep. and stuff like that. And uh, Mark, I love how you know your your former name was Perlman Price in honor of mom and dad, and now Priceman with Julia, your wife. And uh, you, you're truly made for radio again because you have perfect radio names. You still have the MVP, but that's really cool what you did for both you know mom and dad, and now for your wife. Well, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on the politics of of names and sure. <laughs> and how we came about uh, deciding to do that, um, which was uh, not an easy decision because um, anytime you're going to change your name, you know, it's funny. I, I thought about how confusing it was going to be for me to change my name and how um, ambivalent I felt about it and how I would have to clarify, you know, to everyone I know that I have this new name. And then I kind of step back and it's like, this is what pretty much every woman who gets married in the United States or all over the world has to deal with <laughs> yeah. this exact thing. So who am I to complain? But um, the way we, you know, the, we were a little creative with it in that, um, my wife uh, wanted to take my last name, but did not want to take uh, both names, which is Perlman Price. And um, she was fine with keeping her own name, and we could have just stayed uh, with our own last names. But I was thinking down the road, and I didn't know what we would do when we would have a child. And I didn't want to have us with all different names. Um, so we just kind of solved it all in one fell swoop and decided to combine uh, Perlman and Price. Yeah. Into Priceman. Yeah. And, uh, and the irony of it is, you know, um, changing, me changing my name, you know, maybe at the time felt like I was, I was subverting myself in a way that, that, you know, not being like exercising my manhood, you know, yeah. and that I would be changing my name for, for my wife. But, and the irony of that is that now that I do have one last name, everyone will just assume that was my name all along. And if I, had kept, <laughs> if I had kept my hyphenated name and got married, everybody would have assumed that I had taken on my wife's yeah. name. And then it's kind of funny how that in appearances is the opposite of what happened. Yeah, that's there's a lot of irony in that. Exactly, yeah. So I, there's a lot of, I could discuss about this whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> you got me going here. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think a cool bond that you and I have, too, is growing up in Massachusetts. So obviously... The Red Sox have, is really what got me into broadcasting, but there is something special about growing up there and, and uh, following that team because that is the team uh, for people who are listening outside of New England. Uh, the Red Sox are kings. It is, and, and it's funny that we had the similar similar scenario play out. You're a little older than I am, but we both love sports, but we both started with baseball, and, and it yep. is – you know, even over several generations, and, and maybe now it's finally kind of turned with, with the kids that are growing up now in Boston. Maybe the Patriots are the number one team. I'm not sure how they view it, but it was always baseball for, for our generations, and um, it kind of expanded from there into the other sports. But the connection you have to the Red Sox when you're from Massachusetts or, or most parts of New England is really, it is kind of like a, a blood right, and it, it runs through families, and it's just something that everyone has as a bond, and, and that's the reason really why the fan base is what it is. Is that kind of why you got into what you're doing now? It definitely, you know, I, I always 
was a huge sports fan, yeah. so I certainly was looking for an avenue into it, and, and it took me longer than I think a lot of other people in our industry where um, I didn't get into broadcasting until I was a few years out of college, but um, like you, I mentioned on the first podcast you did, you know, I would play video games and, and call call games while I was playing and, and that was kind of my first little foray into it and I in the back of my mind I always liked the idea of, of broadcasting but I didn't think it was um, attainable as, as something I could do professionally yeah. and uh, it was a winding road getting there but uh, thanks to you and many others uh, I've gotten to uh, to be here in Portland as well. Yeah, no, that's interesting about the video games. Like, I think of some of those things I was doing when I was younger. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> Rod. I don't remember even how it started. Like, I yep. can't remember what age I started doing that. I don't know if you remember why you started it. It was just like the background to the game. I was just so obsessed with baseball that I could not, I couldn't take a, just watching it or going. If I went to a game, I had to come home and I had to play, uh, I had the Stratomatic uh, board game. It just it was never enough for me just to watch it. I mean, it was really I think my parents were probably a little worried at some point, you know, um, and uh, I just had to be part. I, it, I think that's kind of how it started. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's weird how there were some of those things that kind of they help you develop, which you don't think you they will. And I'm with you. You know, in high school, I never thought I mean, you couldn't can't do something you like for a living. Uh, exactly. It just wasn't really as popular as it is now. I mean, you know, even acting or being a musician, I, I mean, I think maybe depending where you lived, obviously, I think if we grew up in L.A., but growing up and going to Ashland High School where I did, I mean, there weren't many actors or broadcasters or, you know, I don't know if that was kind of the same with you. Yeah, I mean, in high school, I think they could, they didn't really take an approach where you kind of, maybe other people felt differently than I did, but I didn't feel like they took an approach where they were kind of steering you toward any sort of specific vocation. It was more just, there's your math, here's your science, your yeah. history, whatever. And I didn't know how anyone got to any profession, you know, yeah. teachers, you know, outside of, you know, policemen and firefighters and whatever. I, I, I didn't know how the path to any career. So it was, it took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I knew teachers cause I grew up with one and I knew my dad was a student teacher. Um, and you're right. I, I'm, I'm trying to think like I, doctors, I kind of knew because my mom worked at an orthopedic. So I knew they went to school longer, but I didn't know like that they did internships, but they got paid, you know, the, the, the medical field. And I, you're right. I mean, lawyers, I know they went to law school, but I didn't know how, how do you get a job? You know, if I didn't have an older brother, I don't know where I would have ended up because he kind of, yeah. he's into a lot of the same things I am. And even though he doesn't work in sports, I still learned a lot of, of just kind of, of what you do in college and, and all that. He's, he was in communications. So there was some overlap there and I really ended up kind of, being vastly influenced by him. Yeah, so let's get to how you got into the broadcasting. I mean, I know you did some of that NECBL, which is a great league. Um, you've seen some guys come up and get to the big leagues, but uh, that collegiate baseball league is a great starter. It was, and the, the way that I got into that was that one of my – best friends from high school happened to live across the street from the women who owned 
the team in New Bedford, the Bay Sox in the NECBL. And I don't even remember telling my friend, you know, that I was looking for a broadcasting job, but he somehow knew that and basically connected me with them as, uh, as a candidate. And I had never done a baseball game at that point. So, um, they weren't exactly, you know, looking for someone with a ton of experience. So it was a good opportunity for me. And, but I did need to kind of make a a makeshift tape where I used uh, a, uh, inning from, the Red Sox 2007 World Series DVD. I, I will <laughs> I loaded up one of the innings and and put together a half inning based on that, which is easier said than done when you're subject to the TV shots that they're showing on the DVD. But I was able to piece together a half inning, and and that was good enough for them. And it was a volunteer position, and um, I ended up doing that for three summers. It was basically a two month season, and we traveled around New England and. It's it's basically one step below the Cape Cod League, yep. so it's it's very high quality uh, baseball and a lot of D one guys and guys that end up being drafted to the majors and and made made the majors and uh, that was my my entry level foray into to broadcasting and once I started doing it, it was like oh this is the best. Yeah, it, I think that first job or you're doing it. Um not doing it all all the time you know the you, the games are you're so excited for the games but that that first job i think always is is the best i mean i know it sounds weird but you can still remember it i think yeah you definitely have a connection to it and i liked what you had said in the first episode when you did your first game how it went a million miles an hour because that's exactly what what happens even for a baseball game which seems slow paced it's like you're just trying to, to keep up with what's going on. And I called my first game at uh, Goodall Park in Sanford. Uh, it was a road game for us. And yeah. I had put together like uh, basically a, a mini bio for every player that was going to be in the game. And I had them all on this like eight and a half by 11 pad. And the game started and I realized I wasn't going to be able to use one bit of information from this pad because i could barely keep up with what was happening on the field let alone flipping through sheet after sheet trying to find the player that i was trying to talk about yeah and it was a quick uh, learning lesson you, you know the irony again with with this especially for baseball if you probably started at a higher level with less experience you might be a little better right away because the game is smoother you know when you start doing those lower levels and they're throwing the ball all over the place. It's things you probably didn't see a lot growing up because you're watching big league games. Yeah, exactly right. And, and one of the things I always tell people, and this isn't 100% true, but as you move up through the levels of broadcasting, in a way, things get easier because when you're at the pro level, you know a lot of these guys already. If you're yeah. starting in the minors or in summer collegiate ball, you have to learn who everyone is, and that takes up an immense amount of time. Yeah, it's... it's uh, it, it's a fa- I mean, this is a fascinating uh, subject, uh, baseball play-by-play, I think, than any other, because you and I do other sports, and it, it, there's a different pace to it. Um, a lot of people say to me, you know, do you find it harder to do the other sports? And I say, I don't, because it just kind of goes. You know, where baseball, the game, you know, we're doing a lot more fill than you are with, I mean, you do hockey for UNE, so you know. I mean, once you got all the guys down, it's just pretty, it's it's really easy to do, I would think, after doing a summer of baseball. 
Yeah, I, the nice thing about hockey and basketball and, and stuff like that is that you can just kind of ride the wave of action. And yeah. It's fun where you don't really necessarily have to think about um, what you're going to say next or what story you're going to tell because it's just nonstop and uh, you just want to make sure you communicate everything that's happening. So in baseball, it is really a, a good way to find your voice, I feel like, because you have to have a lot more of your personality involved in a baseball game in order to make it entertaining. Yeah, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll get to the Sea Dog stuff because I know people want to hear that. And, you know, I think you and I have done a good job together. You know, we have certain bits we come up with, I think, just right on the spot. But, um, you know, it, it is kind of weird, though. Like, we spend so much time together <laughs> during the summer, you know? Yeah. And you have to be fresh, and, and I think that we're we're good at kind of just, you know, making the game sound interesting every night. We are, and I think our conversations uh, leading up to the game are uh, maybe just as interesting, if not sometimes more interesting <laughs> than the game itself. And, yeah. and some people might think that, you know, you're on the air together all the time, and that's enough conversation, but it's like we just want to talk even more, which is great. Yeah, you know, I uh, I saw the recent thing that happened in Detroit with the, the Tigers TV guys. Apparently they didn't get along anymore, and I, I can't imagine um, – being in that kind of scenario at all, I mean, I would I would feel for the person next to me if they felt like that, or you know, vice versa. But it it would um, I just can't imagine going to work where that would be that situation and doing that kind of job. I mean, that you know, you really have to fake it, and those guys apparently did for a while. Yeah, I, I don't, like you said, I don't know how you can do that because that's a lot of uh, a lot of faking it. Uh, if you're on the air that long to pretend like you uh, just that you're liking each other when you're not, I like that seems extremely difficult. All right, so Mark was with the uh, the Iron Pigs in Lehigh Valley, so it's very interesting how you came here, Mark Province, who you work for. I knew I knew uh, Matt. Excuse me, I knew Matt. Um, Back in the Carolina League, we knew each other when he was in Lynchburg and I was in Prince William. Now, when he, again, I don't always like in the business when they say, well, you got to know people to get jobs. So people who are listening are saying, well, you just said, you know, Mark got the job because you knew someone. But I have a lot of respect for, for Matt. And when he put his name on your name, it's a little bit different than just saying, oh, I know this guy. You should hire him. It, it's... It held a different weight when you got recommended there, and, and it, it obviously worked out. Yeah, and I am uh, a terrible networker, so I was <laughs> never good at the uh, who you know type game because my approach to it was, or at least what people told me was that you know you had to reach out to as many people. Some people you know have a gift to be able to connect with people that they don't know and and network and can use that to a great advantage. Um, I never was that way, but. Um, once I spent a season working with Matt, you know, that was a very natural connection. And, um, and once I found out he knew you, it was, it was worked out very well. So, uh, you know, when you can do it in a natural way where it's, you know, Matt, it's not like Matt is, is vouching for someone he has a distant connection with. It's someone that he knows and, and that way it works perfectly. So there, there are many ways the networking game can work out in your favor. And for me, it, you know, it took a little bit more of a personal connection with someone to get that to work out, but it, it connected me to you, which was perfect. Yeah, and I do think there's more benefits now because I still come from 
the time where we didn't have a lot of email and uh, social media. So we connected through phone. I mean, that's yeah. uh, my first job was a phone call. It was an interview. And um, so you kind of had to do that to, to kind of get your name out there. So, well, I mean, what were your thoughts when, uh, you know, you first had a chance to come up here and interview and then you got the gig? Like what was going through your mind for all that? Well, it sounds kind of corny, but it was kind of like a dream job for me because I had been to a game in September of 2013 to Field of Dreams, no less. And uh, I was in Lehigh Valley the following year. And then not long after that, I was interviewing for the position. And, and it, I certainly did not imagine when I was at the game in 2013 that not long after that, less than two years later, I would be working for the team calling the game. So uh, it really was like a, a dream come true. And um, I remember interviewing with you and Chris, yeah. and we had a really good rapport. And um, I remember asking uh, how you guys liked living in Maine. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you being from Massachusetts, like me, talking about how once you move up here, you never want to leave. And, and that's exactly the way it played out for me as well. I, it makes perfect sense now, uh, having moved up here, but Portland, uh, after that visit I had in 2013, I just thought it was a really cool city. And then you've got the Red Sox connection and it just checked off all the boxes in terms of what I was looking for. And, um, so you know, I was lucky enough after the interview that you guys offered me the job. And then really the first couple months of that season that I started in 2015, every time we were in the middle of the game and I was sitting there in the booth, I I was like pinching myself. It really <laughs> took me a couple months to, to kind of settle in and be like, okay, you know, this is my gig now. I was just like, I cannot believe that I'm doing this. This is amazing. And uh, it was, you know, it's been a blast ever since. Yeah, it's been, uh, I, and I think like what you said before, you know, you and I being friends, I, I really do think has helped. Um, I, I just do. I think it's just the, there's an ease to it too, you know, that we can just go on the air and, and uh, feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, one of the things I love about broadcasting. And um, it started in the, you know, any sort of, interaction with people you know everyone is different and, and you know that you connect with different people in different ways and yeah. some people you connect with quicker than others and um working in the any the best part about working in the necbl was that each team had its own broadcaster uh that traveled with the team and basically you were working with a different guy every game and it was a lot of fun getting to meet new guys and then connect with them during the game and it kind of, I feel like it taught me a lot about learning how to, how to work with someone. It also taught me, you know, the type of people that I felt like I worked best with. And, uh, and it was just a lot of fun to, to get to have that different vibe every night. But, um, building rapport with someone is, is, is really over time is is the best way to do it and, and we've got to spend now four seasons together which has been great yeah and i didn't know that that would happen so i mean just to let people know i mean this this position's always been kind of a one year and out mm -hmm. and you know i i like that for for people because i want guys to move up but um i do think there's been a, a benefit and a, a better quality to having the same guy and you're and you're the right person for someone that wants to be here more than one year and that might sound weird to some people, but like it's not good for some people to come back because they just they don't like it anymore that second year, and that, and that's hard to explain. It's just 
you just don't know with this game. Sometimes people are into it, and then they just the next year they they want to move on or they want to do something else. But I think where you where you are with your mindset, how much you love Portland, plus. You know, I think you and I are in a very unique situation. The Red Sox affiliate, it's kind of a perfect alignment of stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough for a couple of Massachusetts guys like us to to be with anyone other than a Red Sox affiliate once you've had that experience. Definitely, yeah. And the funny thing is, in terms of me being here four years now, is that the position changed. I was, you know, I did the same position after two seasons, and then it changed to a, a game day seasonal position, and that actually ended up working into my favor in terms of allowing me to, to stay with it because I don't think if it had been a full-time seasonal position I could I would have continued it true three into year four so it it changed in a way that just happened to to happen at that time and for me um it was good timing and allowed me to continue that and and uh it's allowed me to stay here and, and continue uh in the position I think you and I have uh, the best story, how we discovered a place that we love to eat, the other side deli. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, do you want to set the stage? Yeah, I'll set the stage, and then you can, yeah. So uh, I hit a dare one night coming back from a road trip. Um, we Sometimes we fly, uh, and we happen to fly, and, you know, when you fly, Mark, you're always like, yeah, especially when you're connecting, you're, you're worried about making the flight. You know, I, everything was right you know I, I got in the flight they didn't lose my bags I got in at a good time we were off the next day I hit a deer on the uh five minutes from here five minutes from my house and then I needed to bring my car in but then you helped me with that picked me up and then you're the one that found the restaurant that we ended up eating at yeah it was just uh, I think a Yelp yep. search that happened to be in the area we were in and uh it's like oh this place looks interesting and, and lo and behold uh one of the best sandwich spots in, in the whole city and and coincidentally enough I, I moved this past February and and now live very close to to that uh to that spot so I've uh, gotten to frequent it more often but uh best best fried chicken sandwich yep. I've ever had so I mean is that like a lesson you know even though at the time I was all worked up but it, it turned into a a good thing I guess right yeah you know it's uh, the butterfly effect I yeah so tiny little thing can have uh, great consequences overall though what what has it been like uh you know doing this now four years I mean I feel like you're obviously more comfortable uh as a broadcaster but you know what's it been like from year one now through your fourth year calling games with me it's been uh, a, a lot of fun and it's been I've learned a ton from you and from others um I think uh, one of the the most important things in broadcasting is not only from uh, certainly trying to learn from the person you're working with, but I was able to uh, take some of the previous people I knew, like mm. like Matt Province and, and other people that I had met through the industry, and, and started leaning on them just in terms of getting feedback as well, because uh, just the more outlets uh, that uh, the more people that you can get feedback from to listen to your tapes is just, you know, there's just a benefit to having a different set of ears every time Um, because certain people will pick up on things that others don't. And you just get a nice kind of mosaic of, of a general opinion of how you're doing. So it took me a couple of years to kind of build um, sort of a network of, of other mentors uh, that I've worked with. And I think it has helped me, uh, improve my broadcasting a lot. And, and certainly you have been 
in the forefront of that. And then I've kind of been able to pick up on other things that I've gotten from other people as well. And, uh, yeah. you know, every, every game is, is practice really. And I try and listen to a certain amount of every game that I do and, uh, make whatever notes I can either listening to the game or during the game. And, and sometimes the way you hear something or call something during a game, ends up sounding different uh, when you go back and listen to it. So if there's something in particular I want to go back and listen to, sometimes I'll make that note during the game so I can kind of uh, match that up in my mind just to to get that awareness in terms of, of how I'm sounding. Yeah. I think it's important to, um, like you said, to get other people. And I, I really like Howard Stern a lot because I think he's a terrific interviewer, but he talks about this book that he read, the the ten thousand hour rule, where it really takes you ten thousand hours in, in a in a field like we're in to be good or to feel comfortable, and um, you know, you'd, I'd never heard that from other people. And when you and when you hear like the giants in this business talk about getting better and constantly getting better, like I admire that too. So. I think it, it, it's just constantly doing this. I mean, it, it really is. I always make that reference like working out, you know, and, and your training. But um, it, it's really a different beast. And it's so hard to explain to people. And, and they think, well, it's just the game. But I think doing it a lot, it can sometimes mess you up too, right? Mentally, you know, if you're doing the same thing over and over, it can sure. challenge you mentally because you have to get over the things you're saying over and over because the other people don't really know you're saying it over and over. They just... There's a lot of ping pong sometimes in your head. Exactly, and that's sometimes some of the sometimes I pick this up uh, when I'm watching uh, football or baseball on TV or on radio with with professional guys. Sometimes I'm picking up on some of their tendencies, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if he realizes he's saying this the same way and over and over again. Yeah. And it can be <laughs> tough when you get to that point, and you yeah. have these habits built in. I think that was one of the the hardest things to try and uh, overcome and improve was to be aware of your own tics. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because sometimes you're listening and, yeah, you're you're saying things maybe the first and third innings the same way, and should you change it? It, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always tell people if you're getting kind of caught up, just go back to basics and just call it generic. Because it's really a, a mind-boggling thing how it can mess you up. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Even now in this conversation, I'm thinking, you know, am I am I having vocal tics <laughs> and answering your question? Yeah. But when uh, you can do something like just go straight forward, call the game, just to yeah. kind of give yourself some more mental space to have time to think about what you're saying, that is a, an excellent way to remedy that. So you know what dri- what drives me nuts more than anything is is just bad production because I feel like sometimes it's just it shouldn't happen um i I like watching police interrogations this is probably something you you didn't know about me mark i did not yeah i i like i just love how geniuses they are and how they but their audio is horrible like they they need i mean they're they're you know these are like fbi agents and they have the worst audio and it drives me nuts but it probably you know and it's from being in this business and it actually kind of how I was raised in the business was if something didn't sound right, you, I mean, you had to redo it. I mean, you couldn't have any little shortcuts and now it's great with computers. You can edit, you can amplify, you can make things sound faster. You can do everything. Now you couldn't do that back uh, in the day. And I, I actually like nowadays better. 
Yeah, I think when it comes to radio production, being a perfectionist is the best quality to have. Yeah. Because like you said, now anyone can do a podcast, and that's true, but they don't all sound the same. And it is like one of my biggest pet peeves when you're listening to a podcast and the levels are off between two people mm. or you can't understand what someone's saying. And it's it's just like you need to spend the time to make sure this sounds right because I don't want to be adjusting the volume in my car, you know, throughout this whole conversation. So in order to be able to hear everything that's going on. Well, yeah, because now, I mean, I find myself doing this with YouTube or anything. I mean, if you're, if you lose interest, I mean, people are, they're done. I mean, yeah. to, to hold anyone, uh, you know, one thing I, you know, I don't know how much I've ever told you this, but I really th- think that, you know, you and I not being the same age has been good because there are things that I've learned from you, believe it or not. I mean, it's not just, since I, you know, you've been with me just for a few years and I've been in Portland longer, but you know, you're, you come from kind of a different, you know, your gen, well, I don't know how different our generations are, but there's a little bit of different things that you like or bring to the table that maybe I overlook. So I think it's good, our age difference. And, and, um, you know, I can learn too, for some, from you for some, for, for some things, which I think is beneficial. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a learning experience working with people younger or older. I mean, yeah. in my other in my other gig, um, most of the people not it's in my other office job, I should say. Most of the people there are older than well, everyone there is older than me, and um, it's just a different experience working with with them than it is working with people at the Sea Dogs, who a lot of them are younger than me, like you said, the people in the front office. And yeah, I mean, it, it just. Being having any sort of mixture of people, different ages, different genders, different races, uh, you can really uh, expand kind of your horizons by being uh, subject to that every day. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, before I let you go, that I think that's the great thing about the Sea Dogs and the players is that we get to meet guys from everywhere, and I I just love uh, meeting the Latin players, guys from Cuba, guys from. California, Texas. I think that's overall the beauty of it is um, the network that you get to meet outside of what you and I do. We get to meet some players and coaches that we become close to and, and really get to enjoy. Yeah, you learn a lot from them and, and the places they're from and the culture there and, and having them all together uh, working to try and achieve a common goal is it's 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 awesome. It's like really what kind of uh, the whole got to sound corny here it's like well that's what the world is all about you know yeah <laughs> all right mark uh, m triple p right on twitter exactly I, I appreciate you doing this this is good stuff this is a long interview it is you know we could you know i mean me and you we go way back now so <laughs> <laughs> so we can we can do this for hours so uh, thank you for having me that was mark price been my broadcast partner for sea dogs games and he's been sitting with me since 2015 and you heard me a lot during that broadcast say well this is weird or this is strange and well Mark and I have done she's close to 500 games together probably more yeah more than 500 games but I've never interviewed him and so talking that way was was different um you know I was a little bit nervous doing that and it was something different and I think that's another piece of advice and I'll try to always do that on the podcast for the young listeners do things that make you nervous in broadcasting. If you don't like getting up in front of people and hosting events, do it. That was something that I never felt comfortable with when I first started doing broadcasting. Um, but now when I host events, I'm, uh, I-, I love it. But 
constantly challenge yourself. And that was just a lot of fun talking to Mark because he brings uh, different parts to the broadcast, different knowledge, certain things that uh, he follows that I start to learn from. And he's a great guy. And I think that was the first thing he talked about is that we're good friends and we are. And uh, our conversations before games, it's sometimes I talk about the road trip and we talk about things off the air and it's great. Um, and I'm, I'm honored to sit with him every night. And I hope you enjoyed that. Once again, you can follow me on Facebook, Behind the Mike 73, Twitter, Behind the underscore Mike. Instagram is the same, Behind the underscore Mike. Sea Dogs Radio on Twitter. We're everywhere. Send us an email, send us a comment on Facebook. You can send me a direct message and I'll let you know what we think of the podcast and any suggestions coming up. Happy New Year, everyone. And we will see you again next week on the Behind the Mike podcast. Don't